If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Like most quilters, it, my story is very much the same. You get hit by that quilting bug and, and you just, you know, there's no turning back after that. And uh, it ruled my life for about three years straight where I, I decided I was no longer going to do any cooking, cleaning, house chores or anything like that. I was just strictly going to, I would go to work, come home and sew and quilt, go to work, come home and sew and quilt. And I did that for almost three years straight. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafter stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. In today's show, we'll be hearing from Catherine LeBlanc. Well, I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend our days doing freehand edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms really mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing pencil with needle and thread attached and at really high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. These are the first and third Friday every month. They're live. And so they're interactive, meaning that you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm actually working on it. And if you'd like to be notified of upcoming events, grab my newsletter at stitchedbysusan.com and then you'll get advance warning of the upcoming episodes. But once again, they are the first and third Friday of every month and they're at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm The Will Half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Let's talk quilt storage for a second. Lots of we quilt makers have many, many quilts that we're storing. They're often folded in closet shelves. And the problem with that is those folds can produce creases in our quilts that will never come out. And one of the ways to reduce that to a minimum is to refold your quilts from time to time. So I recommend a couple of times a year. Maybe this is a good chance to bring out seasonal quilts, you know, for Easter or for Christmas or for Halloween. And just take those quilts and fold them along different places. If they've been folded in quarters, maybe fold them in thirds so that those fold lines don't get pressed into them as permanent creases. It will prolong the life of your quilt and just make it look more cozy. You know that I love my coffee. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Stitched by Susan. There for the price of one yummy coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. 
Thank you so much for your support in this way. It really helps us to continually improve our equipment and thus the podcast that we bring to you. So maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest today is Catherine LeBlanc. Catherine is a very accomplished quilt maker. She has pieced and quilted on her domestic machine. She's done long arm quilting, pattern designing and publication. And most recently, she is now a published author and her novels feature quilting in them. Welcome, Catherine, into the studio. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to getting acquainted. As with so many of my guests, you know, I'm a follower on social media, so I see lots of your posts and things that you're working on kind of today, but I always love to know the backstory. Like, what was it that drew you into quilting, or, or do you know when that big door first opened for you? I feel like as a writer now, I should be able to write a really clever response to that question, because I do get asked that quite a lot, and I should have a good response, but... Um, you know, I've, I've been asked many times, and I don't have a very good answer for that. I think I started with a pillowcase and then went to my local jo- Joann's. And, uh, you know, I made I made a, que- a well, I guess, a king-size quilt for my very first quilt. Oh, my. And uh, myself and my, my husband, we both pushed the thing through my little domestic sewing machine. And I didn't know anything about quilting at the time at all. Um, but it was just, it became an addiction, like immediately, as soon as I started, it became an addiction. And, and I don't honestly know what it came from. I, I think I just got it in my head that I wanted to make some pillowcases and it just took over from there. Uh, I don't, I don't have anybody in my family who quilts or anything like that. So it didn't come from someone in my family passing down long standing traditions or anything like that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you know what it was that first attracted you? Was it the colors? Was it playing with the fabric? Was it the design process? Like what really, what bug bit? I don't know. I come from a family where we always did crafts. I mean, we did everything from, you know, candle making, basket weaving, knitting, crocheting. I mean, we a little bit of sewing kind of, but not really. And um, so my mom always had us doing different kinds of crafts and things like that. So I think, uh, you know, I had an affinity for crafts to begin with, but uh, there's just something about quilting that I think every quilter knows. It's kind of like our crack. <laughs> it certainly is. I mean, I honestly think quilting stores ought to have warning labels on the stores, you know, maybe addictive. Um, yeah, we definitely need a helpline that we can call into. Helpline, for sure, for sure. I don't want to be the person manning the phones, though, because I'm definitely the one who is suffering from, from yes, the exactly. addiction. I'd be calling in a day and night. Yeah, I know, I know, 24 hours, yeah. hopefully. Like most quilters, it, my story is very much the same. You get hit by that quilting bug and, and you just, you know, there's no turning back after that. And uh, it ruled my life for about three years straight where I, I decided I was no longer going to do any cooking, cleaning, house chores or anything like that. I was just strictly going to, I would go to work, come home and sew and quilt, go to work, come home and sew and quilt. And I did that for almost three years straight. And my husband was crazy about it. So so yeah. what's the little saying? At least when I make a quilt, it stays made. I like that, right? As opposed to <laughs> housework, right. which is just a never ending sort true. of thing. You just have to do it over again. <laughs> I know. So why bother? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. 
So it's it's curious to me, though, that quilting should be the craft you land on if you've had that wide variety in your life. Or maybe that's not the case. Do you still have other hobbies or is just quilting I pretty don't. much the I mean, I really, quilting is my main hobby. Uh, I enjoy doing genealogy, but that's another thing. Once you start going down that rabbit hole, it's it's a giant addiction that you, you need help getting out of. Uh, yeah, so basically it's just quilting right now. I only have time in my life for one hobby. <laughs> it it is compulsive, and you're right. If you if you want to do it right, you just got to yes. dive in with both yeah. feet. Yeah. So quilting has, at least in recent years, has become your business. How did how did that kind of happen? And then we'll come back to later talking about how you manage that and how you manage to keep the joy in and your love of quilting still alive. So how did <laughs> oh, this become um, your work? Uh, I was I was working for corporate America. I was in the accounts payable and I was a supervisor um, of a local pharmacy chain. And uh, it just, you know, I was making really good money and I was getting bonuses and things like that. And, uh, you know, that's all really, that's great. But there's no, there's no joy in working for corporate America. I don't know, maybe people find it, but I wasn't finding it. And um, I just decided one day, I said, you know what, I'm quitting this. I'm leaving the paycheck behind and I'm opening a quilt store and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing to be quite honest with you. But um, <laughs> now, did, was that a brick and mortar store or an online I store? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I opened a small, um, about like 600 square foot. It was just a teeny tiny little space. And um, it was funny because I had this tiny little space, a very, very little, um, uh, you know, retail product to fill it with because I quit my job literally and opened a store two weeks later. I sat in there and I thought to myself, what if nobody comes? I'm so used to being in this building with thousands of people like coming and going and everywhere. And, you know, there's people to talk to and there's things to do and there's phones ringing. And now I'm sitting in this tiny little square 600 foot box and thinking to myself, what if nobody comes? I'm going to be all by myself, you know, so it was pretty funny. But, um, I very, very quickly, within just a couple of months, uh, moved into another space across the hall from where I was that was uh, like 900 square feet, which was much bigger. And there was there was plenty of people coming and going. So that wasn't an issue. But uh, yeah, I just literally quit and opened a store a few weeks later. I found a location and the, the owner of the plaza was just phenomenal. He gave us a great deal to come in to get started. So he was super helpful in terms of, you know, starting a new business and everything like that. And, um, and then eventually after about probably a year, I moved into an 1800 square foot, which is a traditional size that most, most retail, smaller retail establishments, you know, run in. Um, and I was in there for about three years or so, um, before I decided to, to close up. I mean, it was just really getting tough, uh, with the economy and everything, little did I know that I only had to wait another six more months and our business was going to skyrocket through the roof with no COVID. Kidding. You know? The pandemic has yeah. been amazing for yeah. um, making online accessible. And also, like, I, I found it surprising that, well, I'll back up a little bit. I'm a long arm quilter. And the demographic mm -hmm. that I quilt for typically is retired or semi-retired people, right, who have a little time and a little funds on their hands. And, you know, three years ago or two years ago, they weren't all that comfortable shopping online, 
taking classes mm-hmm. online, having Zoom meetings, for goodness sakes, online. Right. And now that has changed. And I think that has forever changed the face of the quilting industry. I'm sure many others, but that's the one we're in, right? And I think that has forever changed because of the pandemic. It really has. And then uh, I've talked to people in all different kinds of businesses about this. You know, I, I as I was getting ready to close the store, and there were other reasons why I closed the store, health reasons and things like that as well. But um, as I was getting ready to close the store, you know, I was wondering what what the, I think we were all wondering what the state of our business was going to be in that industry because it was, it was kind of dying. Um, and then all of a sudden we have this pandemic, which is awful for, you know, the majority of, of, of it. And then all of a sudden it becomes this blessing for all these other businesses that were actually on their, you know, on the decline. And, um, it just, it's, it amazes me. I mean, I was lucky that I had already started doing live, um, sales on Facebook prior to closing the store and prior to the pandemic and all that stuff. So I had already been doing that for quite a while before all this boomed. Um, you know, so I was very lucky in that aspect, but, uh, you know, during the pandemic, I had the best, the best sales year I've ever had in business. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and now we have a flourishing, thriving, industry again, like overnight almost. So it's just, it's really amazing how. I feel like that might be a lifelong change too. I was talking to another guest a while back and and she had noted that uh, sewing machines for a period of time were hard to find on store shelves. They were literally sold out because so many women and women with their teenage daughters and so forth were picking up sewing. And so she found, you know, both her YouTube instructional videos were going crazy. And she was like, This is the perfect time now for quilting, as you say, to flourish and to grow because all these people now have sewing machines and a little time on their hands. So I hope that too has kind of been a shot in the arm. Maybe that's not the right phrase to use, (laughs) you know, for the quilting industry as a whole, because people are back into crafting and into, um, you know, sort of slow pursuits, slower pursuits, maybe than in, in past years. So I think that's a good thing. I think it's wonderful, uh, you know, going from going from a state of we didn't know what the state of things were going to be to all of a sudden having this instantaneous reversal of the way things were. Um, it's just miraculous. Um, and I've talked to people in other, you know, careers and jobs and, and sectors and things like that. And, you know, some some it wasn't good for, obviously, you know, uh, but others it was tremendous for. So it just, you know. I mean, it was definitely a cloud, but it's good to be able to find the silver linings too. And they're, those who succeed are those who find a way to pivot, right? And and to make something out of what they're given. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, honestly, in business, that's literally all, that's what it's all about is being able to pivot. You know, when, when things change, you need to be able to pivot quickly into whatever the next biggest thing was. And, and I'm facing this now, and I'm sure many others are facing this now, um, is there's so much out there now online and there's so many live videos because that's how I predominantly make most of my, my income um, that now is starting to suffer. You know, it's going in the opposite direction in terms of that because it's it's so prevalent now. So, you know, there's just in, in, in stores when they started to reopen again after the, the pandemic, they were making good money off of the online sales and the Facebook sales and the live sales and all those things. 
now they have to go back to running their retail establishment. But but it's it's do we continue to do this online stuff because that's where it all is? Do we go back to right. running the retail? Do we try to figure out how to do both? Um, it, it's just it's really intriguing. So many decisions. I agree. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about some of the classes or things that you offer. For example, I noticed in passing that you recently had a scavenger hunt. What does that look like in the quilting world? Oh, the scavenger hunt was actually for the book, believe it or not. Oh, um, okay. Tell yeah, us about yeah. the book. We'll, we'll take a step yeah. back and do that first. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, going back to your question, too, um, you said you wanted to go back to something when you asked me about it. It would yeah. not be the first time that we went down a rabbit trail and never found our way back to the main path, so it's all right. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. You asked me how I, I maintained uh, my love of quilting, I think, through ha running the business and stuff like that. I think when I first opened this, the retail, the brick-and-mortar store, um, I was still able to maintain my quilting uh, to a large extent, but as I grew and got bigger and busier uh, and, you know, the demands on my time for the store and things like that, I wasn't able to sew anymore. Uh, and, you know, then it's then that's when your passion and your joy and your hobby becomes your business. And you kind of have to decide <laughs> how you want to deal with that. But um, so I had to employ a lot of other folks who sewed for me which doesn't give me as much joy uh, doing the sewing, but at least it gets gets things taken care of. And then when I closed the retail store and, and, and started to focus on the pattern design business, um, I found that because I was so detailed into designing the patterns and writing the instructions and all the computer work and updating the website and all this stuff, again, I found myself in another place where I didn't have enough time to sew all the samples and all that stuff. So. I again started to employ others to <laughs> sew for me again. It seems to be like the running trend here. I'm thinking. <laughs> but, um, and now that I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a step back from the pattern writing to focus on the book writing, I have patterns that are coming out with those. So I still am writing patterns and producing stuff. Um, now I'm actually sewing those quilts that those patterns are coming from that that are attached to the books and stuff so uh you know much happier that i have that time again to get back to that sewing but um it's always i think a juggle of making things a priority yeah. I think you're right. And I think probably that's an entrepreneurial struggle. And for each person, it maybe looks a bit different. You know, for you, you were able to go and hire people to do some of the sewing work. Others might have chosen to hire people to do some of the um, layout of the patterns, for example. So I think it depends on where your strengths lie, right? And, and what thing you want to do and what thing you want to delegate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, in pattern design, I, I felt like I wanted to be, you know, res I'm, I'm putting a pattern out there, I want to be responsible for what's the content in the pattern, you know. Uh, it, it's easy enough to make a couple blocks to see that they work or what have you, and then you can get a good idea that your quilt's going to work. But um, I think, you know, and I have seen lots of designers who choose one or the other too, as well. Uh, obviously I didn't have enough money to do both, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, and so it's just, again, it's a pivot thing. You know, I pivoted from re from retail brick and mortar to online, and now I'm pivoting into another, you know, sector of my career into the writing of the quilting fiction. Um, and it's just, you know, you just keep pivoting and, and, 
and keep going. I, I find that really interesting. I've had a kind of similar thing happen for me. You know, I'm in the quilting world, but I dabbled for a while in pattern writing too, because many quilters have heads full of ideas, right? But yes. what I quickly learned was it's not a quick or easy process to convert that to translate that maybe into a pattern that people can then follow. So that's a whole other set of skills. I'm always glad I did it because now I understand what goes into the making of a pattern and can appreciate the skill and even appreciate the price tag. Um, Mm. So for those who have never done it, it might seem like, oh yeah, you just jot the measurements down on paper and drop a few diagrams and you're done. But it's quite a technical process. So I appreciate knowing that now. And I have found that in different, you know, pivots in my career, and I bet you are too, that 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 changes. And it's good to experiment with things and see what you love doing. But for me, I pivoted right out of pattern writing because I I quickly found that was not my love, you know, quilting was. So it's really interesting that now you're pivoting into writing books, a fiction you said, right? Yeah, yeah. I did long arming for a while as well. So very similar to your experience with Uh, pattern writing, I dabbled with the long arming because originally what I, you know, what I did love about quilting was the actual act of quilting a quilt, not, you know, not necessarily the piecing or whatever, but the actual quilting. So I thoroughly enjoyed quilting um, on my domestic and then I, and I bought a long arm and learned how to do the long arming and I long armed for people for a while. And I just, uh, you know, I realized that it just wasn't what I wanted to do, you know, um, and I do very much love the pattern design, but it is a very intensive, time consuming process. So, you know, sewing has to take a backseat, writing has to take a backseat, like, just depending on what you're working on. Um, so I am glad that I've, I've sort of dabbled, as you say, in, in uh, almost all of the aspects, I think, of quilting that there are now at this point. Um, and I'm, I'm settling for, I'm settling on writing. This is my long-term focus. So we won't what be, a, hopefully we won't be pivoting. Yeah. What a privilege it is, though, to be able to try out the water in different things, right? You, you were talking earlier about being in corporate America. I mean, I think a lot of people get in jobs that have an established trajectory, and they're kind of stuck to that. So it's it's... I'm grateful for the opportunities that we entrepreneurs have to try a little of this. And if we don't care for it, move on to the next thing. And that's the spirit of it. I mean, that that's it in a nutshell. Um, you know, I miss every day. Every day when I go to bed, I miss my paychecks <laughs> from my corporate job. But um, but I don't miss the headache and I don't miss the, the struggle. Yes, I have headaches in my business now, but they're totally different headaches. They're, they're headaches my headache. by choice. Yeah. <laughs> Not inflicted yeah. on you. Yeah. Exactly. So tell us about your books. This is a new-ish venture. You're, you're writing your second book cor- currently, is that right? Yes. The first book um, was released in uh, November. So this is, I'm coming up on book two now, which I've been in ed- the editing phase right now is what we're at in book two. And it's due to be released uh, February 3rd or 4th, I think it is. Um, so give us a little snapshot of book one. What's the title and, and a little bit of what it's about, if you would. Uh, so book one is called Sewing Suspicion. And um, I originally, I would say probably about five years ago, decided that I wanted to start writing. And it just 
with the business and everything and everything I already had going on. We just talked about that. It just wasn't the right time. And so I decided not to do it uh, because it didn't feel like the right time. And I originally wanted to do to write some sort of like woman's fictional or, or journal or, you know, maybe with a little patterns and some fun quotes and things like that. And it, you know, you could jot down the projects you're working on, what your life is like at the time, you know, um, just kind of an all around upbeat woman's journal. So that's what I originally was going to start writing. And um, then I started reading some fiction stories from a, a popular author and I binged like seven of her books in a weekend. And I said, this is what I need to be doing. I need to be writing fiction, not not these women's journals, you know, like, what are you thinking? Um, and I actually enrolled in a school. I, roll, uh, I roll, enrolled in a um, writing school to teach me how to uh, write a book and then also to do the business aspect of it. So um, there's multi you know, facets of that. And um, so book one, uh, they, they kind of push you right out the gate to really do it because uh, most people set out to do it and then they never actually follow through and finish, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a shame. I think that's you know? a human failing. But so that's there's so many things that you just don't know how to do until you just start doing it. Is book writing a bit like that? Like you just need to get in there and start? It's very much like that. It's very much like learning how to quilt. You know, there's there's rules and traditions and, and all these things that you pick up kind of as you go and you just, as you write story after story, as you quilt, quilt after quilt, you learn more and more of the the nuances of each thing that you're working on. So, so it's very much the exact same thing with writing. And, um, you know, people, like with pattern writing, it's very labor intensive. You need all these skills and you need to be able to market the patterns and everything like that after you've written them. Very much the same thing. What happens when you have a book, you don't just throw it out there and people will come. You don't just build right. it and they come. You know? right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it, it's very much very similar to that. And uh, so they, they really push you to uh, get a rough draft done and they – the theory is, is that if you finish that rough draft, you're like 80% more likely to actually produce a book than you were if you never even finished that rough draft in the first place. So the school is very focused on making sure you get that first rough draft done because once you get that done, then you've got that under your belt, you get the first book out there in the world, you're more likely to be successful and continue on. Um, so they push you to, to, they try to push you to do like a 30-day book, but it just... <laughs> It's almost nearly impossible. Um, so six weeks it took me to write the first rough draft, which was very intensive. It was super stressful. I worked at it every single day. Everything else went by the wayside, you know. Um, but I was able to do that. But then it took me another six months to get it out into the world. <laughs> so are we back to not bothering with the cooking and the house cleaning? Because who needs oh, that? Oh, that never changed. <laughs> <laughs> that never changed. Um, I never picked that back up again after I started cooking. Oh, good for you. <laughs> good for you. I'm going to give that method I, a try. I always tell when you have the opportunity. I mean, it's not for everybody, but not all husbands or, or you know partners are that that gracious and and not everybody can afford, I don't hire somebody to do it, but not everybody can afford to hire someone else to do it. But uh, I always tell quilters who are still doing those things, what are you doing? <laughs> You're not supposed to do those things. Manage anymore. your time a little better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But uh, yeah, so six months it took me to get it out. It's been out there in the world now for five weeks and um, they kind of prepare you for things to be, uh, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best kind of thing. And uh, I, I'm very pleased with how the first one turned out. It was super, super expensive to self-publish. Uh, and I'm probably in, in a million years, I don't know, maybe I'll make my money back. I don't know, but it's going to be a long time. <laughs> I hope so. But, I have faith uh, in you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going really good. I've been able to stay in the number one bestseller category in the quilting um, category uh, for, I would say, you know, 75% of the days it's been on, on oh, good. out there. So oh, good. that is phenomenal in itself. So can you give us yeah. just a couple sentence snapshot of what the book is about, whet our appetite a little oh. bit, and then we'll be sure and include links where folks can find it. I can read you the blurb. It's it's only about 200 words. It's fairly sure. quick. Do it. Um, it's secrets and a patchwork of lies. Can Alex string together the truth before her life unravels? Alex Bailey's heart feels threadbare, struggling with the dubious practices of her New York City law firm. She's left her high profile career and is eager to clear her conscience with a trip home to care for the woman who has raised her. But when an ill fate befalls the quilting matriarch, the shocked lawyer suspects someone is covering up murder. Unpicking the strands of her beloved grandmother's life, Alex patches together clues that prove her loved one's death was no accident. And when the practices stained history weaves into the culprit's devious handiwork, she'll need to stay alive long enough to expose a heartless killer. Okay, just your use of the little crafty words in there, the weaving, the patches, the unstitching. I would love I would love to tell you that I wrote that. I did not write that. Well, it's fantastic anyways. So there's a thing about hiring out. We talked about this already right. briefly. Um, in the book world, there's a thing about hiring out as well. And there's just certain things that some people choose to hire out, like having your book cover design. Not everybody is a graphic designer, so it makes sense. You have to have a really beautiful book cover. Um, and blurbs is one of those other things that people hire out. And they have, you know, they have companies who specialize in this particular thing. Because the thing about a blurb is its only job is to sell your book. It's, it's the sales pitch for your book. And yes. not every person who is a writer is... A salesperson. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can't take any credit whatsoever for the, that blur, but it does very, very much express um, kind of the nitty gritty of, of what's going on in the book. Well, it's very well done. So, you know, kind of like yeah. pattern testing, if you ever need proofreaders, hit me up. Love it. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> well, yeah, I will definitely. go right after we're off off air. I will go and hunt up your book and I'll be sure and put um, links in the show notes so that folks can easily find it and the new one that's coming out. So tell me more about the scavenger hunt that I saw recently. I think in your Facebook feed, did that have to do with, with patterns or with the book? That has to do with the book. It's actually, uh, so it's basically just 12 um, items that are listed in the book. And all you have to do is as you're reading, if you pick out the items and just jot down where you saw it in the book, you can fill out a Google form that I have. And then we're just giving away prizes and things like that. It's um, I learned it through the romance authors. Uh, sometimes they do this with their books a lot. And um, it just was a fun way to uh, get people to read it. So 
there, there's two things. You got to get them to buy it, number one, and then you got to get them to read it. So it's like just oh, buying it isn't quite the deal, you know, there, there's a second layer to it. So that, that was intended to get people immersed into the content of the book. It is. And you're, you're building super fans is what you're doing there. I love yes, that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. yes. Great idea. So book two is called Quilting Calamity. Um, and each of the books features a really fun cover with a quilt on it. And those quilts will be released as time goes by. Uh, as I said, I'm working on them. And, so the, so um, the pattern for reproducing that quilt is what you're yes. saying. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. So book one features the grandmother's flower garden quilt and the quilting matriarch in the book, she actually makes 10 of these grandmother's flower garden quilts out of one inch hexes. Now, you you listeners can't see my big eyes, but 10 (laughs) grandmother's flower garden quilts. Wow. All by hand. Yeah. Granted, she's she's in her her late late 70s early 80s um but it's obviously very fantastical that that somebody would be making that many in their lifetime it's possible but um and then in book two we make it's the book two is based on a cruise ship so we make a storm at sea quilt uh in book two lovely Lovely. so they don't they don't actually get a free pattern in the book but in the book we do work on making quilts and talking about quilt themes and, and things like that and um so it's quilt centric, but it's not instructional, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a novel. That's, that's what we're looking for. Good. Well, I really look forward to reading these. That is so great. Um, I'm just, I'm happy to see someone, you know, that knows their way around this industry, delve into that side of things. Um, I've read quilting novels before, you know, some are wonderful, some are quite meh, you know, so I look forward to reading yours. I think, yeah, they sound fantastic. (laughs) It, uh, it blows my mind every, every time somebody picks it up. Uh, and, and says, you know, it's great and everything like that. It blows my mind that that people are reading it, that it's out there, that it's finally done. Uh, you know, I hope that as time goes by and I grow and become a better writer, you know, I'll get even better and better and stuff like that. But um, I felt when I started was I felt like we needed more of this. You know, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yes. So that was why I, I chose to do it. I said, we need more. I'm um, so glad you saw that that lack and you're filling that need. I suspect that, I don't know this because I'm not a writer, but I suspect that it's much like developing your um, your personal aesthetic, your personal taste in quilting, that I think writing must be like that too. As it goes on, as you write more books, we'll see you sort of find your voice. And so, yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, I think so. Somebody asked me that the other day. I was hashing out a plot line with a friend of mine uh, who I call a friend, but I have absolutely, you know, I've never met them before. They're just all these new writer friends that I have. Yeah. But um, we were hashing out a plot line and he said, well, what is it that makes it Catherine-esque? And I said, right. I don't really know yet. I'm only on book one. I don't know what makes Catherine-esque yet. So yeah, I'll find my voice as we go. And I'm dabbling in all kinds of things right now, just trying to learn how to write good as fast as I can, because it's a super fast paced market and you have to be able to be fast with everything you do. So, um, you know, I'm doing anthol- little small anthologies um, with, with a group of other writers and things like that. And I'm just, I'm going to this year, I'm going to be doing some co-writing with some other writers who are at my level and a little more experienced. So that's going to be pretty interesting. And, um, you know, just d- I'm just going to keep dabbling and trying to get better. I, I don't know if that dabbling is the right word, but I'm going to keep trying to, you know, uh, get better at the craft of writing because ultimately this will be my forever business, hopefully. Right. 
um, in the end. So, And I know I keep drawing the parallels, but I keep seeing them. You know, piecing quilts is like that, too. Your first one is never going to be as good. When you do your fifth one, you're going to look back and say, oh, my word, you know, looking at your first one. And that keeps happening throughout the years and throughout the quilts. And I'm sure that will happen with your books, too. But good for you for just starting and and for knowing that it's a skill that can be learned, right? It's not like magic writing a book. It's a skill and you're learning it. Yes, it's definitely it's definitely a skill and, and a multifaceted skill. I draw parallels to the quilting world all the time and I don't know if that's Oh good, just it's because... not just me. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. I and I don't know if I sometimes think it's just me. I don't know, but uh, I think it's very, very much the same uh, from start to whatever the finish is going to be. But uh, yeah, I draw those parallels all the time. I'm like, this is just like quilting. I like, I got to learn how to do these things. I got to learn the, the do's and the don'ts. And I got the book police. And, uh, you know, even, yeah, they even use, uh, I say they, the writers and the, the authors and the readers, they even use some of the similar um, acronyms. They use um, uh, uh, to be finished which is is something that we use and uh work in progresses and ufos and Mm -hmm. so like they even use those with their books and so as i get deeper and deeper into this new community i learn it's so similar to the quilters Uh, it's uncanny that's funny well we look forward to the journey it'll just get better and better won't it yeah and good for you for just enjoying that journey Well, before we go, I wonder if you have a little nugget that you would like to share with our listeners. It can be to do with writing or quilting or life in general, just a little nugget of wisdom that you've learned. I have like one and a half nuggets, I think here. Oh, perfect. So in quilting, I would say your quarter inch, I always tell people, you know, the most important thing is to learn your quarter inch seam. I, I have plenty of stories about where my quarter inch seam wasn't up to snuff. And you know how quilts go when that happens. But um, I would say for quilters that your number one thing to strive for is 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 learning that quarter inch seam because everything you do thereafter is going to be so much better for Foundational, it. Um, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think my second little nugget would be pressing matters, which is most likely going to be the title of book three. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> she's actually, she's on the cover um, holding an iron. So, um, so there'll probably be some nuggets about how pressing matters in that book. But, um, you know, next to learning that quarter inch seam, learning how to press your seams, I would say is probably those two things go hand in hand and are probably the most important things that, that I would focus on in my quilting journey. Well, thanks for that. And I'll just add, you know, you've given very practical bits of wisdom, but kind of a thread that's been running through our conversation this morning that I've learned from you is that just to step into something and start when you have an idea, when you have a dream, whether it's your brick and mortar shop, whether it's writing patterns, whether it's writing books, just do it. Very good. I like that. That's great. So see, I've learned something. (laughs) that's very exciting that's very exciting yeah I've never been one to shy away from anything that I wanted to do I generally when I set my mind to do something or when I decide I want to do something or say I'm going to do it I generally just go right ahead and do it most people they either gotta jump on board and (laughs) come along or get left behind unfortunately um you you just life is too short you have to do what makes you happy uh and and do things that 
and try things, you know, try new things. I love to try new things. It's one of my favorite things. Never lose that enthusiasm. Yeah. That's what makes us creators. Yep. Well, thanks a bunch for joining me in the studio. This has just been a treat to hear about your journey and um, the corners that you're turning. So I'm going to be rushing out tonight to uh, find the book and get into it. And I forgot to ask you, is that available in digital format? Yes, it's available online on Amazon. Uh, You can search Sewing Suspicion, A Quilt and Cozy Mystery. And you'll also find the uh, pre-sale for book two there. It's also available in paperback as well. Okay. And what are the best places for people to find you, like on social media? Where should they look for you and your books and your patterns? Uh, So they can find the patterns at dragonfliesquiltshop.com. And I'm sure you'll put the links in for that. But uh, also find us on Facebook. We have a Books for Quilters group. And so if you just type in Books for Quilters, you should find us there. And then there's also an author, Catherine Michael, page. So I go by Catherine Michael, M-Y-K-E-L. That's my pen name. And um, you can also find me on Patreon. It's a really fun place if you've not experienced Patreon before. There's a lot of really great quilters there as well, so as well as writers. Uh, So there's a lot of fun to be had. So search around on Patreon.com and, um, you know, find some groups to plug into there as well. All right. Well, we will be sure to put all those links into the show notes. So if you haven't been able to keep up with the speed of them, um, we'll have those links ready for you in the notes. So thanks again for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so that they can enjoy these stories too. Plus, I would love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com and don't forget to CC the nominee. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>